Hey, Mike Ulmer here. The great Mark Pettipaw lent me this space to remind you that now is a great time to write your nonfiction book. I've interviewed 10,000 people. I've written 19 books, and I want to help you write yours. Here's how we do it. First, we interview you. Then we give you a detailed step-by-step blueprint for your book based on that interview. We write your thousand-word introduction, throw in some cover ideas, and suggest a title. And here's the best part. We assign a writer to help you answer all your questions for a calendar year. You're going to be so sick of us. Click the link, I want to write my book, in Mark's show notes for a free consultation. At the very least, we'll help you find your story and send you on your way free of charge. Now it's on to lessons in leadership from the stockroom to the boardroom with my friend, Mark Pettipa. You are following the Lessons in Leadership podcast with Mark Pettipa, where we bring on multiple guests to share their stories about their growth and life and leadership. How'd they fail? How'd they succeed? What can you learn from it? No bullshit, real stories. Brought to you by www.markpetipod.com. Enjoy this episode of Lessons in Leadership. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm extremely excited to have our uh, our guest for episode number five in Lessons in Leadership. Um, it's the first time I've dabbled into the world of public service and, and politics, um, <laughs> but that's not what this podcast is going to be about as normal. It's going to be about leadership and, and what can you learn from people I've crossed in my path and either worked for or admired uh, from afar. And in this instance, um, you know, I, I've been able as a citizen of Guelph to observe Cam as a mayor, Mr. Uh, mayor Cam Guthrie that I've had on the show. So thanks for being on the show, Cam. Absolutely. I uh, just didn't want to be your first guest. I thought I'd get the first four out of the way so I could be number five, you know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm ironing out the kinks as we go here. Uh, you yeah. know, Cam, what, what, the reason I brought you on, and, and I'd love for you to maybe dive a little deeper into your background uh, prior to coming into the role as mayor in business and then as mayor. Um, but what I love about you is, you know, your approachability um, and you don't shy away from feedback and you do it in a manner that's not going to please everybody, but your attempt to keep everybody united, you know, in, in a world where politics can certainly be a dividing source. Uh, you have a, you know, you're authentic, you're real, you're not going to tell everyone what they want to hear, but you do it in a manner that people are understood, educated, and you try and keep everyone unified. And you've done that from the beginning. And I add that to your approachability, you know, and I know you won't remember this because you, there's 140,000 citizens or just a little less than that in Guelph. But when we moved to Guelph, uh, there was a fundraiser for, I think, United Way down in the park um, just beside Bread Bar along the river. Yes, yes. And yes. my kids dunked you in a dunk tank. Oh, yes. I <laughs> remember that now. <laughs> yeah, and, and it wasn't that like, oh, yeah, I'm the mayor and I got to do the thing. Like, you were sincere. You were engaged. The kids loved it. It's left an impression on them ever since. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you, you treat social media that way. You are by far in the, in, in the public space a leader in social media. So I just love that you're approachable. And I thought, hey, here's a good opportunity for someone to talk a little bit about leadership in that domain where you have 140,000 bosses who can fire you every election cycle. <laughs> and you've done yes. a good job with that. So tell us a little bit about your background before going into politics, if you don't mind. Sure. And thanks for this opportunity, by the way. It's, uh, uh, you know, we don't know each other that well, but, you know, through interactions in the past and seeing uh, where your life is taking you now and the opportunities that uh, you've really embraced has uh, it's been very 
uh, very, very cool to see you uh, doing this as well. So all the best to you as you're, you're, you're doing this. Um, Thank you. Let's see here. Where do I start? It was a cold and windy night. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say uh, I have always been interested in serving and in politics. I, 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 I guess I could say I've always had a little bit of a bug for it. I, I remember my dad when I was younger being involved with politics to the degree of uh, like helping put up signs and, and stuff like that. So he kind of dragged me along on that. So I was or, always curious about politics, uh, reading, like what people stand for in different parties. And even before I was eligible to run for uh, city council, uh, I actually remember calling a longtime councillor here in Guelph, Gloria Kovac, um, when she was in office, uh, asking, like, how do, I, how do I get into this? And I think I was 15 or 16 years old, and I remember wow. her saying, well, the first thing you got to do is be 18. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, I, I remember just still, like, you know, that was before college and, and things like that. So I, I, you know, I was always just very interested in it. So speaking of college, I, I graduated obviously high school, and when I graduated high school, it was uh, with OACs or grade thirteen, uh, and then I went uh, right to college. I didn't go to university; I went to Sir Sanford Fleming College uh, in Peterborough, and uh, I was really uh, at that time I was really into sports, really into especially. Uh, mountain biking, bicycling. I used to work at a bicycle store downtown Guelph for a few years. So I was really into, into that. And I kind of had this desire to uh, learn how to maybe open my own uh, bicycle store and at the same time, uh, maybe even work within a sporting goods company. And there was a course at Sir Sanford Fleming called Sporting Goods Business. And uh, I was like, oh, this is perfect. So it was a two-year course. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. It was just so excellent. I had such a great time, really learned a lot. And really it was sales and marketing and, you know, uh, customer service and communications and all that kind of stuff that would be wrapped around a business course. Uh, but it just had a little bit of a flavor towards leaning towards the, the, the sporting goods business. So, um, so I did that for two years and then right out of, uh, right out of college, I started my own business I was a sales rep. I just started my own sales rep company uh, with uh, Gatorade. And uh, so I did like uh, on-field products. Uh, tried to sell uh, like the, the powder mix that the big drinks would be used, uh, the, the water bottles, the, the towels you see the guys have, you know, uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the chairs that say Gatorade on them, things like that. Um, and I also did High Sierra backpacks as well, which is still a, like a luggage and backpack company today. And then I got involved with uh, a company called, um, well, they did like a basically a distribution of BMX bicycle uh, gear and things like that. And that really took off. And so I did that for a year or two. And then um, as much as I was having a good time doing it, I... Um, I realized uh, I met my wife-to-be around that time, and I realized, gee, it would be nice to be making a bit more money. Uh, and so uh, I, I started in insurance. My grandfather had his own uh, brokerage here in town that had been purchased 
by Sutherland and Sons Insurance, which I think has been in Guelph for like 150 years or something like that. And uh, so there was an opportunity to get basically start at the start at the bottom, you know, learn the, learn the business. And and I always remember, uh, I always remember this. I was making like, uh, I think it was like, it, yeah, it was twenty one thousand eight hundred dollars a year salary plus benefits. And I was like on cloud nine. I'm like, this is the best, you know? So, uh, so I did that. I, I stayed in the insurance industry and went around to a couple different businesses, but uh, brokerages, sorry, but I stayed in the insurance industry for 16 years. Wow. And uh, for four of those last 16 years, I was a city councilor. So I ran for city council and I, and I won. So that was between 2006 to 2010. No. Uh, yes, that's right. And then 2010, I decided to run for, am I saying this right? No, 2010. Just trying to remember the, the, the 14. No, the other way around. Fast forward four more years. So then I, the year after my, term, my first term as counselor, I then ran for mayor. I won. And then that was 2014 to 2018. And then in 2018, um, I ran for re-election. And here I am. I'm still the mayor. I got reelected. Uh, and the only other thing I'll just say about that background piece is um, I did run for mayor between 2006, 2010, and I lost that race. And a lot of people don't remember that. Uh, I do. <laughs> you always remember the stuff you lose. Uh, and so, but you, you learn so much when you lose, you learn so, so much. And so, you know, I didn't let it keep me down. I didn't lose by that much, but I, I lost that race. And uh, I learned from that, came back stronger, uh, became counselor, became the mayor. Awesome. Sorry right. if that was uh, oh, long-winded. That's exactly what I wanted. So thank you. Okay. That's a lot to talk about. You did it in a short amount of time. Let me just quickly ask you a sidebar, and I didn't plan for this. You, you mentioned Sir Sanford Fleming. I had quite a because I did work in sporting retail, and when I worked at Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, I crossed paths with people in the NHL who went through that program. I got to oh, ask really? you: Do you know a Barry Monahan or a Mark McRae or a Jeff Budway by any chance? The names aren't familiar with me. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I mean, maybe, uh, uh, but I just, I just, I don't remember. Uh, all but, wins, all but, wins but, are taught in that program and then moved on into a different roles. So I'm just curious. Yeah. And just so you know, it was, um, it probably still is today. It was like 98% job placement when you went through that course. And, and now what's really interesting, a little bit of a plug for the University of Guelph, but they just started a couple of years ago their own sports management program here. Oh, wow. Excellent. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's phenomenal. It's really good. That's amazing. So that's kind of interesting uh, that that's has started up here. And uh, I don't know if you've actually, if you want to interview another leader in town, Scott, Scott McRoberts. I know the, Scott. It's one of, the, one of the gentlemen I want to get on here. Absolutely. Yeah. He, I mean, you should talk to him about that because he kind of led the charge on that as the athletic director and as a, as a, as a prof, as a teacher there. Um, and that, that's a great course now that's uh, being offered by the U of G. So that's really interesting. Awesome. So a little bit of a retail background and then yep. uh, progress to insurance and, and leadership all the way through that and then into public service with, I thought was great, a loss in the lessons learned. Uh, it's a common yep. theme with a lot of successful leaders out there. Um, it identifies the gap that you need to close to be successful the next time. So, so good on you. Let me ask you a question. I've always wondered. First of all, I think you're nuts. And I mean that in a complimentary way. 
I okay. believe I'm a confident person. Um, but I still know one of my deficiencies, Cam, and things I have to improve upon is how I deal with negative feedback. Um, <laughs> you live that every single day. I mean, I watch the social media posts and people don't hide back behind the keyboard. Um, why in the world do you go through the aggravation and why politics? So I kind of live and breathe a little bit for, for the friction, if I could call it that. Okay. Um, I really believe it's important to stand up for the things that you value and believe in. And so, I'm not, I, as you said in your intro, and thank you for reading what I sent you. No, I was kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, that that, I, that I, I, I stand up for the things that I believe in. And um, I, I also like to correct people. That, now, that can kind of, kind of, maybe some people could argue that comes across as me trying to always be right. And I, I, don't, I don't ever mean it to come across that way. But I like to correct people from an educational point of view to let them try to understand what can or cannot be done within, you know, within the lane that I'm in uh, as a municipal mayor. And so there's a lot of misinformation out there, which I think makes people get angry about certain things because they think the mayor can control certain things. And the mayor can't control a lot of things that people are angry about sometimes. And so it's important to sort of, you know, engage back, uh, but in a way that educates. And I find that that doesn't sometimes... Uh, just help the individual that might be upset, but that message that gets to pub public and makes everyone uh, outside of just that one individual understand what's what's happening. Um, and then the other side of it is this for me. Uh, I've always had sort of naysayers always about like you know, social media and uh, my use of social media. I've always had that. Uh, but it is the best thing that I've ever done. And it has allowed me to get my message out that needs to get out. It has allowed me to take a pulse check of the community about things that might not yet be happening, but maybe it's, it's being discussed, being thought of. So to engage with the citizenry about certain things and get their feedback has been invaluable. And, uh, and then lastly, it's just, um, it's just, again, a way of you know, putting out, oh, I shouldn't say maybe last, I guess I already addressed it with the first one. Just getting, getting the message out on, on certain things and setting the record straight, standing up for people, standing up for myself, standing up for the city. Uh, it's, a, it's a great marketer, uh, not just for myself, but for the, for the brand of Guelph, which is the job of the mayor. You're supposed to be the salesperson for the city. This is a great city. You want to promote, be a cheerleader for people, for businesses, for uh, the ones that are here, businesses that might want to come here. And so I try to push that positive message out about our city out as much as I, I possibly can too. Yeah, it's a, it's a great use of social media. I think more leaders in public space should see that. And, and again, I, I appreciate that you acknowledge you probably have received some criticism for it, but you don't shy away from the friction because you realize it's a megaphone for you, but it's also a listening device for you that you, see, it is. you mentioned getting a pulse check. And, and how do you get that when... You know, the average citizen isn't overly engaged in municipal politics. You don't see them showing up at a large amount of people for city council meetings just to get educated. I know it's on public television and now you guys are doing it online. Um, mm -hmm. But you have a great opportunity to spread that message and hear people. And I, I think that's fantastic. I think more people should be doing it. I love that you aren't afraid to show your personal values and show some passion. So I, I, I preface this on LinkedIn about your knock it off post. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which I love because I got to tell you, as a parent of four people and a business leader, this is unheard of for all of us. It's a first in a century type of thing, and we have to protect each other. Um, and you know, there's naysayers out there about masks and social distancing. And yet I find this city has done an amazing job under your leadership, protecting one another and being bleeding edge on getting the economy back. So, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, Cam, and I don't know your involvement, but our municipal department of health mandated masks first in the province of Ontario. Is that correct? I actually do think so. In fact, um, I think we might've been first in Canada. I, we were, I think we were told that we were going to be when we announced it. And so may, maybe we were close, but whatever. It's not like it's, yeah. you know, an award you win or something, but well, uh, it well, is I, something that, that had to be, had to be done. Uh, and yeah, you definitely are putting yourself out there as a leader, um, knowing you're positive and negative uh, uh, on, on an issue like that. But what uh, I but loved the, the, sorry, sorry, to interrupt you, but what I loved about the second piece I wanted to add then, pardon the interruption, because I don't want to lose sight of it, and I don't want to assume. The next thing you guys did once we got that under control was you started to look at future ways to open up the economy based on that medical um, action. Like, hey, if we're all wearing masks and we're wearing them inside and, and now we're protecting each other, how do we now go and get some of our economy back and get some restaurants out on patios? And you guys did that in the downtown core. And so the two went hand in hand and I think it builds a lot of confidence. Was that on purpose or was that just a logical chain of events as you guys were reacting to this pandemic? Uh, it was it was a big push from myself. I, you know, really the the foundation of of a community really comes down to its economic its economic ability uh being the foundation of what we do and and you know if people have jobs then they get a paycheck and they get a paycheck they can go and, and spend money and um when businesses are successful they can hire more people and that that i mean guelph has been for years uh like one of the lowest unemployment rates in all of canada so but I also knew that this was going to hit us pretty hard. So I started the mayor's task force on economic recovery right away uh, alongside, uh, I need to give a shout out, alongside staff, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, many other people in the community, Guelph Business Enterprise Center, uh, um, Innovation Guelph, and, and so on. And, uh, and so we just really pulled together with other community leaders, uh, really hammering out sort of what could we do. And a lot of it was advocacy work at the beginning uh, to the province or to the federal government on behalf of some businesses. And then we started coming up with some programs locally, as you said, patios, the dining district downtown, um, funds that people could uh, apply for uh, to help them. Uh, these little things uh, really did help. Uh, and it's been, uh, it, it, it's again, put Guelph on the map a little bit, a, a little bit, just not on the mask issue, as you said, but also on the economic side um, as well. And it was uh, an eye-opening thing for me during the, during the, the height of the shutdown, I, on social media, <laughs> I shouldn't have done this, but I said, uh, I said, does anyone from a business want to, I want to talk to interview people about how their businesses are going. And I had like, like a hundred people uh, reach out to me. And so I had like, I was, like hours, I was sitting right here uh, at night at like, nine o'clock, nine thirty at night calling what was going. And boy, that really was an eye opener. It was a massive struggle um, for people. And I just felt 
absolutely horrible about what they were going through. So I just knew that we had to respond as best as we could during that time to help them. It's great. And I, and I, and what I loved about it is I, I did see a little parallel in business. Like, you know, the good businesses, you know, they have their metrics, they're concerned about the financial results, but ultimately it comes down to people and the behaviors and doing the mm -hmm. right things for people to generate the result and how you lead them and develop them. And, and I found the city went about it the right way and saying, okay, first of all, let's start by making each other safe. Okay. We got yep. that one now. Now, how do we get people back to work to minimize the income so we're not impacting families as much? And how do we grow the economy again? And I just thought it was the right approach where, you know, you can look at the example to the south of us and it's been the reverse. It's Absolutely. been you know, politically yeah. driven. How do we protect the economy story, whether you believe it or not in the south? And then, oh, by the way, this thing's going away. And OK, well, maybe now we'll we'll mandate masks. Anyways, I, probably best we don't talk about U.S. politics right now. Uh, no, I, but, you know, if I could just jump in and just say, Please. you know, I want to make sure this is said is that it's not like the economy was sustained or starting to roar back to life um, to the degree that it was before the pandemic because of me. Uh, like, the, like all of the, especially the bigger businesses um, from a manufacturing point of view, I mean, they, they, they pivoted immediately. Like they're like, okay, how can we make ventilators? You know, going from auto parts to ventilators. And, and, and like, they're just amazing. They didn't yeah. need me to do that, right? They're, they were able to figure that out the small businesses in town that, you know, didn't have a website presence or something like that. They're like, boom, they, they, again, they didn't need me to do that. Uh, so thank goodness we have such, you know, thought leaders and, and business leaders in the town, big or small or medium or entrepreneurial, whatever, that were able to be really forward thinking. It was just kind of nice to have the government alongside that, all that, that work that right. was happening from the community too. So I want to make sure that it's not, you know, I don't have like a cape on or a magic wand and it was all me. It was, it was, it was a group effort for sure. Good for you for sharing that in those examples. Yeah. There's multiple, right? Like uh, John Sleeman and the team at Spring Mill going to sanitizer right away. Dixon's. Yeah. Doing yeah. Thing. There you go. Yeah. Like the, yep. there was multiple examples, which again, as a resident really makes you feel comfortable about the city you live in. Right. Um, and so I, th I thought that was amazing. And, and again, to your point about the chamber, you know, I opened up a business in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Shakiba and the team, Jane and the team at the chamber has been phenomenal about giving yes. learning opportunities, yes. and networking through this and taking advantage of a difficult time to come out of this a little stronger. So good on all yeah. of the leaders across the corporations in the city. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, I tried to tell this on my first podcast I did alone. I ended up bawling, I think, at the end. So I don't want to put you in a <laughs> position. But, you know, I talked a little bit about who I am as a leader. And, and, and as I get older and almost 50 now, I reflect back on why are those values in me, the good and the bad. And, and the good ones are like dad's a disciplinarian. He was in the military. Everything was get stuff done, youngest of five boys, and measure and save for your retirement. Do all that stuff. So that was the strategic discipline. My mom was life of the party, Nova Scotia lady, right? Like okay, everybody yeah. be having a good time, feed everybody first, she eats last, make sure everyone's in a good place. And so that servant piece that I continue to focus on, I'm realizing, wow, I had that my entire life. So do you have any personal influences that have defined your leadership style that you can point to that have helped you grow as a leader? Well, yeah, I mean, right, right off the bat, you know, I, my, just my mom and my dad, for sure. I mean, they both instilled such great values and, 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 and in me and still do to this day um, from a from a business point of view, uh, interesting little thing that I, 
I, I, I say this story quite often, actually, is my grandfather, um, who had the insurance company, uh, the insurance brokerage. Uh, I remember him saying to me when I first started there, he said, uh, Cam, the sky is the limit in this business. I'm like, oh, okay. And then he, then he came in even closer to me and he said, and Cam, always remember this. The more money you make, the more you can give away. Hmm. And I was just like, that has always stuck with me. And um, so this drive to be successful has never been um, done to the detriment of putting others down uh, or, um, or without me having an opportunity to hopefully bless other people. Uh, and uh, so those types of values just have been really ingrained in me. Uh, and then I guess as a precursor or, or just a warning uh, to my, my wife, when I became, especially when I became the mayor, I also uh, just privately said to her, well, not privately since I'm telling the world now. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, well, uh, the whole world isn't following me yet. Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah, telling about fine. 359 <laughs> people. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, is this, if I ever change who I am, and of course my wife would know the best, uh, you got to tell me I got to get out. So if those values became compromised, if integrity became compromised, if if those types of that my character uh, started to shift in ways that um, was not healthy, uh, that like I needed her to be like, you know, calling me out on it. And then that should be the sign to get it because, uh, and so far she hasn't said anything, which is good. Uh, but, uh, but it is something that's an accountability sort of check with her. Um, and so, yeah, I would say those are, those are sort of, you know, here I am, I'm talking about family, uh, from a business perspective, you know, my boss, uh, one of my main bosses, uh, in town at the, at one of the brokerages I used to work with. And, uh, actually this hit me pretty hard. He just, he just passed away suddenly about two weeks ago, um, pretty young. And, um, just thinking back over his influence of the seven or eight years out of the 16 that I was in the insurance industry, just thinking about how he shaped my life about how to treat people from a customer service point of view, um, to always go above and beyond integrity, uh, relationships, uh, all that was just embedded through, through his, um, relationship with myself. And so I, I, uh, that that that's been I just been, that's been on my mind I guess just because of uh, him passing away a couple of weeks ago so that that's good and then on the political side uh, I would say I, I I can't really point to someone too much I know well Gloria Kovac would be one uh, person for sure uh, as a counselor locally um, I would also say Norm Jerry was a mayor back in, uh, for a long time in Guelph, back, 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 and uh, he's still alive. I visit with him a few times a, a year, um, and he was just – he's excellent. I always say to him if he ever ran for mayor again – he's like he's like 92 or something. I say, if, if, you, if you ever run for mayor, uh, I'm going to vote for you. That's why I keep telling him because he's so great. Uh, and then from afar, from afar, I always admired uh, – I always admired Preston Manning. Okay. Uh, and the reason why I admired him more so later in life when I reflected back on it was from the Canadian perspective, he, he was an absolute outsider. No, like he started with nothing, an idea, 
a few people with an idea, and he grew that party to become the official opposition of, uh, of, the, of the government at one point, almost actually forming government and actually has been known to be the, you know, uh, he was the, the, the best leader we never had, as a lot, a lot of people mm-hmm. say. And uh, a lot of what he believes on um, fiscal conservative sort of principles and finance, uh, but also on the importance of the environment, on social networks and things like that, the social safety net. I've always really admired, uh, admired Preston Manning a lot for what he did while a politician and what he's done uh, since then. Awesome. Let me, let me shift to, um, now that we've moved from the positive influences, um, and I'm certainly not looking for a negative influence here, but let's, let's, move to, let's move to a little bit of, you know, you, you touched on it a little earlier, and I touch on this with all of my guests. You know, I believe we learn a lot through failure. Um, and you touched on the fact that you lost in 2010, um, and you learned from that. Um, either through that example or some other ones that you have, could you give us a teachable point of view? And so I'm a big believer in, in reading business books. I don't read a ton of them, but I read impactful ones. And, and Noel Tishy's Leadership Engine is one that I refer to frequently. He talks about teachable point of view. That's how leaders teach other leaders. There's a story there. Do you want to share with us what you learned from that loss, if that's a big one in your life, or if there's a different one? Can you share how it's made you, what it was and, and what made you a better leader? Yeah, you know, I remember when I lost that election uh, that I remember right away. In fact, I still somewhere in files somewhere, I still have the piece of paper. I should probably try to find after I've done this interview with you. Uh, it's, it was just one piece of paper. And I think, I think what I did was I did it. Yeah, I think I put it into four sections. What I did well, what I did wrong, what they did well what they did wrong and i just unloaded on that piece of paper with bullet points and and things that i could think of uh and i just yeah you just you i I find that sometimes when mistakes happen it's good to immediately reflect on them right away uh so that you don't lose sight or, or or forget some of the things that maybe tripped you up to get there and uh so you know, and I remember pulling that piece of paper out uh, when I ran for election four years later. And it was like, okay, I know what to do. I know what not to do. And, uh, and so that, I think taking the time to reflect on the failure uh, really helped me uh, succeed in the next steps of my, my, my choices in, in life in general, going into politics. So that, that was something that was... Um, that was that was a moment a teachable moment i think is just reflect reflect on failure right away i think that's an important uh, if you're trying to make a bullet point there it is reflect on <laughs> failure right away uh and then uh i would say um i would say both from a and i don't mind saying this out loud but from a failure of even being a husband a failure of uh early on in my marriage uh you know, it was maybe communication style. It was, um, there might've been a little bit of, uh, you know, thinking I know more or I'm, 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 
I'm more knowledgeable, things like that. And, and those things uh, created conflict early, you know, in the first couple of years of marriage. And we've been married 21 years now, so it's all, it's all good. Uh, but uh, thank goodness for her patience. Uh, but, um, you know, that was a rough spot. That was a failure moment, I would say, on a, on a personal level. But the lessons learned through that conflict and through those failures and, and getting help from others. I think that's another key piece is that you don't, you can't go things on things on your own. Sometimes you do have to reach out to others for help is that um, that helped me in my own personal life. And it bled into my business life, into politics, into the other things that I do as well. So uh, those are kind of two examples that I would, I would state. Um, yeah. I, off the top of my head. It's great. It's, it's, it's funny, again, parallel, right? Leadership's leadership, regardless of the industry, how you deal with failure. Uh, you know, you talked about, you almost did what I refer to as a post-mortem, post you know, like the minute you yes. lost that election, you yeah. squad analysis, where was I strong? Where yeah. was I weak? Yeah. What's the opportunity? What's the threat? You created the gap and you closed it on the next election cycle. We used to do that when I was running BMO Field in Toronto. We had never opened a soccer stadium in, 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 at MLSE. It was new. It was outdoors. It was crazy the fans were nuts um, yeah. and every event down with my leadership team and said okay where'd we screw up well you know what we've yeah. got pass-offs of alcohol happening in the bathroom and we're going to lose our license with the agco if we don't get that corrected what do we do for the next event and so yeah it's 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 a parallel thing it's like not being afraid of those gaps but being aware and closing them for the next time and if i could jump in on that i i do that quite often and uh, people may not realize it, but no, now they will since I'm telling everybody. Um, <laughs> but when I go to businesses and I cut the ribbon, you know, the mayor is invited to th these types of things all the time. And it's a big, you know, uh, you know, exciting occasion, right? Like you've come to the point, you're cutting the ribbon, you're opening the doors of this business. I do all that. And then for just a moment, I will pull the owner away or the business owners or the managers just away from the crowd a little bit just before I leave and I'll say, can you just tell me, this is a great moment, but what went wrong? What went wrong before we cut the ribbon today? What was your customer service experience like with the city of Guelph? What was it like dealing with permits? What was it like dealing with inspections? What could we do better? Almost like an exit interview, even though they're not exiting, they're opening a store. Yeah. But it's like, what could we do better? And I always, always drive that home with not just stores and opening, but with everything I do every day, it's like, how am I making things better in this city for people every single day? And, uh, and so that, that is something that I always uh, strive, strive to do as well, because sometimes through that failure or the bad experience that someone has uh, had uh, occurred to them through dealing with the city or dealing with me, uh, then I, I like to sort of, I don't like my head to hit the pillow at night without that being resolved or at least knowing what I could do the next days and the next weeks to make it better. And I found, I find that that's been really a, a good learning thing too. We, so to admit you don't have it all together all the time, you've got, even though on a good occasion, like cutting a ribbon, you still got to take the time to say what went wrong, what could we do better? And, and those types of things are really important. Yeah, it's a continuous improvement mindset, which is phenomenal, is. especially, yeah. you know, citizens expect that of their leaders and for you to lead by example is tremendous. Simon Sinek speaks a lot about the infinite game. 
And that, you know, if you're in leadership to eventually win and become perfect, you're in the wrong room because (laughs) you have to constantly evolve and it's a life pursuit because people are always changing and society is always changing and you need to keep up and serve. So that's amazing. I, uh, You've been great with your time. Um, if you've got a few more minutes, I'd like to ask you three or four I, I more do. questions. Yeah, and... I, I'm fine. As long as you, you tell me. You go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be respectful of your time. I know you're a busy guy and, and you do a lot of this stuff. So we touched on it earlier about critics on social media and the fact that you have 140,000 employees, really, from my perspective, that you're serving and you're leading. being uh, That's correct. The city. Yep. Yeah. I had Richard Petty on, who I worked for, obviously, so a little uh, a little more background, and I knew I could ask this question, but I'm going to ask you. Um, Richard, literally, when the Raptors weren't doing well in the Rob Babcock years, uh, they had websites up for firerichardpetty.com. They had planes flying over the city, um, and he took a ton of heat. And what I told him that myself and other leaders in the organization always admired is his behavior never changed. He, he really didn't change how he showed up in the office. He was positive. He continued to stand for what he believed in. And, and when I asked him that, he actually opened up and he said, it sucked. It really hurt. Like I went home and I carried that. And he goes, yeah, but I, but I couldn't show you. That wasn't my job. My job was to lead because, hey, if I start shrink, shrugging the shoulders, what are you guys going to do? And, and what's that telling the team? And what's that telling the ticket sales guys and gals? And, yeah. and so how do you do that, Cam? How do you walk away after taking a little bit of a beating and come back positive the next day? I've gotten better at it. I think, uh, I think it was a lot worse. Um, especially as I became the mayor. Um, so into my second term now, I think, uh, you know, it's always, people always say, especially about politicians, you must have really grown a, a, a thick thick skin for this. You know, it's uh, that kind of a thing. And it's kind of like, ha ha, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe a little, but, um, you know, it, it really, uh, I have found it's the same exact people that are always the ones nipping at your heels. And uh, it's, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, and I mean this authentically, I don't discount the negativity or, 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 or their complaints. I think it just has always bothered me in the manner in which they present their complaints, um, their approach. And uh, I am an easygoing guy. Like I, I really truly am. And if like, if people want to have a conversation with me about a certain issue and, and they have their certain opinion about it, uh, you know, more often than not, we're probably closer on the issue than people think it's. Um, but if you come at it from a position of just uh, hostility and wanting to belittle people and bring people down, that's what puts people's backs up including politicians sometimes. So mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I just I, I've learned to see that it seems to be the same people over and over again, and so, um, and then I just the last thing I would say on that is I just don't look at the stuff online that's really that negative. Um, I see it, I uh, but I don't try to engage too much in it. And when I'm out and about in the community, when I'm going for dinner and at a patio, or when I'm in the grocery store, or at a garage sale or whatever. Um, those people aren't on the people that aren't online. I find that they are, they're very supportive, but they're not online saying it. Right. So I find that 
there's a lot of keyboard warriors and I respect that and I still read it and, and I'll take it in. I still do that pulse check, correction, education, reflection, whatever that is. I, I still uh, will do that, but I don't take it as much as a beating, I think, as I used to. Good. So keeping it all in context. Yes. So on that note about being out there and being criticized, um, if you don't mind, um, share with me about how your family plays a role in all of that. Because Rachel's out in a public setting. She's with you at events. She sings. She's got a tremendous voice. I've seen her sing yeah. at the Home Builders, the Storm Games. Um, your kids are on social media. By the way, your son has some mad hops. I just saw his last. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for a five foot seven kid to jump oh, that yeah. high. Anyways. Yeah. They're, they're out there, and, and you as a family seem so positive. And I know I'm not naive enough to know it doesn't come with its challenges with their dad as a mayor or their husband as a mayor. How do you manage that as a family and still remain public and positive and engaged in the community? Yeah, that's great. Um, speaking of Rachel singing, uh, she actually sang at BMO Field a couple of years ago. Uh, oh, she wow. sang the national anthem for um, the Toronto Argonauts and Calgary Stampeders game. Uh, oh, wow. There once, yeah. Did you back so, her? Did you back her out on drums? Back her up on drums? No, interpretive <laughs> dance. It was interpretive. <laughs> oh dance, boy! Yes. Oh boy! I'll <laughs> yeah, edit <yeah>. that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, thank goodness I have a really, I really do have a fun family. We love to have fun. We really do. We, we're always laughing, trying a new adventure. So we almost don't mind sharing a little bit of that on online, sharing it with the public. Um, and the, the, we are positive people. We, we try to be in our own lives. And so uh, that's maybe what's coming through on social media, which is fine. Um, we love to make people laugh. We're all, we're a, we're a, I think we're a funny family and we love to make each other laugh and make others laugh. And we don't, again, mind sharing that. I would say that um, during the election, it got pretty bad uh, mm. with some things online especially uh that were done against uh both rachel and um my kids uh like extremely bad uh fake accounts being set up um vulgar pictures being used um to depict my wife and children i mean awful stuff uh and then you know, it's even crept up a little bit, even during this term again, just again around certain issues, all of a sudden this stuff will pop up again. And so thank goodness my kids are, are good about it. Um, they, they're, they're strong about it. They, they're strong in themselves um, and what they're, what they're all about. And I'm not saying all that to like, oh, you know, victim Cam and victim Rachel and the kids. I'm just saying it can't get bad. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but we're, we're good about it. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're just, we're just a normal family, just, just trying to have a good time and going through the rest of life with struggles as everybody else. And, yeah. and I think, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's kind of good to see that authentic authenticity side amongst politicians personally. Yeah. I don't do it because of that. I just do it because it's fun and we do it because it's fun. But, uh, uh, I don't know. I think people appreciate that we're, we're just a family. We're a mom and a dad and we're taking our kids to soccer practice and football and, you know, yep. trying to make ends meet like everybody else. And, and then that's it. Yeah. And I think it's that fine balance. Like, I mean, people know they've seen the results you've had in the city as the leader, you know, when to be professional and you know, when to be authentic, because I think 
you know, I try and share this in businesses. We want to be able to relate to our leaders so we can trust them. And if there's yeah. no common, and if there's no common ground, how do you do that? You're always have this huge divide. And I might admire you as a leader, but because I don't know you, it's harder for me to trust you. And I think you and the family have always done a, a nice balance of that. And I know that's that's not always easy. So so good on all of you. Um, will Rogue talk one day? I'm sorry. Will Rogue talk one day? Is it Rogue your oh, dog? Yeah, Rachel posts about Rogue. He's over. He's over on the couch sleeping right now. He's right over here. Yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a great dog. He's he wasn't a great dog for a couple of years, but he's he's coming to his own now. He's got to the puppy stage, I think now. So <laughs> we, we got a little puppy now to add to a. To a Actually, one thing on the social media thing too. Yeah, uh, just something I'd share is I I am purposeful on what I use the different social media things for. So my Facebook mayor page is more very informational, factual, here's my stuff, or here's stuff that's going on in the city that people should be aware of. I try my yeah, you, best at that. You, you, you use Facebook Live really well for that stuff. I was going to mention Yeah, it's very, uh, I mean, more mayoral, if I could yeah. say. I don't know. If I, it's, it's very factual. Um, my Instagram is 100% fun. It is, yeah, I'm the mayor, but I'm going to post a picture about me drumming or my wife's shoes or my 1988 Dodge Caravan. I mean, like, and oh, by the way, here's a little something about the city too, but it is, it is, it's, it's like 95% just fun. And I, yeah, I did that on purpose. I did that tapes, fully on purpose. Your tapes yes, have been yes. awesome. Love it. It's just, uh, you know what? I'm the mayor, but I'm also a guy that's got all these crazy hobbies and, and likes yeah. and dislikes, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna have fun on Instagram, yeah. and then Twitter is more conversational. It's factual. It's banter back and forth. It's this is information. This is what I feel like. And then when it's really important for really setting some things out, I have a blog. Now that blog will automatically push things to Twitter and to Facebook. So I'm very intentional on the different tools in my toolbox. And what I'm kind of using each thing for. And I think most people get that. So they, you know, they, they can, it's not like, I don't know. I would find it personally, I would find it be boring if everything was, it's the same thing on every medium. It's no, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I try, <laughs> sorry if I said, uh, but, but I, I Thanks try, for calling I try me my out. best, yeah, I yeah, try no, my best to, to make it a little bit different. And here's what I love about it, Cam. And honestly, I think it resonates with most people. Like anything, it's not going to resonate with everybody. There's going to be critics. But I try and, you know, now that I'm consulting, I'm, I'm helping business leaders with, you know, their branding, sales, leadership, whatever that may look like. Um, and one of the things that aggravates me is when you see a leader engage in social media, but they do it through a PR firm, as an example. Yeah. And you can yeah. tell. Yeah, and and yeah. you're just like, no, everyone wants to know who you are, right or wrong, Show us who we're dealing with. And I think yeah. you've always done that well in each of the mediums. And I didn't plan to ask this, but you brought it up. How, was this intentional? Like, how did you get so deep into social? Um, do you have a background in it? Did you, or is it just you being you and managing those sites? Like, you, you do use them well and you do interchange the information and you do engage differently on each of them. Did you come in knowing that or is this something you've picked up along the way? I think a little bit picked up along the way. I do remember when my younger sister helped me uh, a few years ago. I remember it was like Christmas time or something. She's like, 
do you have an Instagram? I was like, what's Instagram? <laughs> and uh, she got that account. I was like, I think it was maybe her advice. She's like, make this fun, make this all about fun, you know? So I think I, I, I purposely made those things that way. Um, however, I will say I have always, always had a knack with also branding, marketing. Uh, I, I really like that. And I guess if someone were to try to say, if, if you have a brand cam, what is it? It's cam. When people, I hope, when people interact with me either personally or online, it's like, yeah, that's cam. And right out of the gate, I even told people, don't call me Mayor Guthrie. Just call me cam or Mayor Cam if you have to. Mm -hmm. uh, in a formal setting, like in council chambers, it's Mayor Guthrie. Yes, of course. But outside of that, hey, there's Cam. It's Cam. And people get to know me. And that's, that's my brand. And my brand is I care. I want the place to be, I want the place, the, the city to be better every day. I want people to be successful. I want to help the vulnerable. I want to make our economy strong. I want to make our environment clean. I want us to be the best city. I'm competitive. I want new businesses to come here. And I want to make people laugh and enjoy their time as I'm the leader. Uh, and that's my brand. And, and hopefully that kind of just weaves itself through whether we're talking about my wife's shoes or we're talking about a $500 million budget. Yeah. It's camp. It's, that's that, what a great way to summarize your brand. It's funny, marketing agencies make millions of dollars a year de defining logos and brand statements and mission statements to communicate to the market who they are. And Scott Stratton, who's a speaker out of Oakville, who's fantastic, he wrote a book called Unselling and Unmarketing, resonated me. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that book. Yeah. And, and he said, you know yeah. what your brand is? Your customer's last interaction with your company. That's your brand. Yep, 100%. Like, that's you. The, the last time anyone sees your communication or engages with you, it, it's always you and it's always authentic. So it, there's no confusing it. Like you either love the cam brand, you're okay with the cam brand. Yep. You might not like the cam brand, but you know what it is. And that's all you can ask for as a, as a, as a citizen following a leader in the city. So I'll leave you with two questions because you've been super gracious with your time. Um, one, how do you expect city staff to lead and how do you influence it? So having the right city staff in, in the positions in the first place is always key. Uh, having them to be uh, risk takers should be okay, uh, within parameters, of course. And to give them delegated authority uh, to be able to make decisions that are, again, focused on the customer, the citizen, making the city better. Uh, those are the things that I look for. Now, I and council do not get to hire all 2,000 people that work for the city. We only hire one person or fire one person, and that's the yeah. CAO. Yeah. And so really that culture that I just you know gave some bullet points to there, that culture amongst the staff starts with him or her. And, uh, and then, of course, really from an influence point of view, it also starts from the mayor and the council. Uh, and so it's a, it's a team effort there. Yes, the mayor is the one who probably works by default the most closely with the CAO, 
uh, especially in Guelph, because counselors are part-time. The mayor is full-time. So I'm at, you know, my office is 10 feet away from his office. And so, yes, we have hallway conversations and, 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 uh, and, and maybe influence in that way. But at the end of the day, I respect the fact that the CAO has an obligation to the corporation. And, uh, and so uh, as much as there might be a, you know, a CAM uh, position or a CAM idea, uh, there's respectful place. There's a respect, a respectfulness between the two of us uh, to say, well, that might be a CAM position, but for the best of the corporation and our professional staff position, we feel you need to go in this direction. And then ultimately, it's up for, up to council to decide. Uh, and so, uh, and that's an interesting thing in municipal politics. And we could talk about this forever. I don't mean to, to get out of it, but uh, to get onto this tangent, but. Uh, in uh, in Canada, you have the weak mayor system. In the states, you have the strong mayor system. So in the states, you have mayors that can hire and fire a chief of police, that can you know call up the commissioner. Can can uh, mayors can veto? Mayors have veto power. Mayors can hire their own executive team and appoint different people. You get none of that in Canada. None. In Canada, it's actually called the the weak mayor system. And uh, the mayor is just one vote out of however many councillors there are, uh, even though the mayor gets elected by the entire community and, and councillors only get elected in the individual wards. Uh, I get elected by, you know, 20,000 people or so, and I get one vote. And someone that gets elected with two, only 2,000 votes, guess what? They get one vote. It's an equal vote. And so I, I think from a leadership perspective, influence is yes important to staff but influence is also very critical to the best of my ability to the counselors who are the decision makers because i'm only one vote got it well said so leadership through influence so you can again get everyone's buy-in to the agenda that you think is the best for the cities because ultimately yes. in canada you don't have the right to make the call no You've got, you've nope. got to get, you got to, you got to lead people there. If you really believe in it that strongly, you don't have a view. And, and that's where a lot of the pushback on social media, as you brought up a couple of times has come. It's like, well, why don't you just do this? And it's like, uh, or yeah, I can't, I don't have this cape or this superpower or, or the ability to boss people around, fire them, direct them. Direction only comes from council, not the mayor. So you're telling me that hospitals are the provinces? No, uh, amen to that. I want to get a I want to get a shirt that says hospitals are provincial. Uh, every time I see you engage, you oh. know, and, and, you, oh. and you don't give, you don't give yourself enough credit, and and I know, oh, and, and, and I get it, but like people don't understand that. I see you on Facebook Live at the end of a long day after a council meeting. It's nine thirty or ten at night, and you're out there engaging with the community. And but I, I I give you that kudos, but I also know that's where a lot of that friction comes up. So yeah. God bless your patience. Um, having said that, I'll leave you with this last question and a half. One, okay. future plans for Mayor Cam. Um, if you're willing to reveal them, what are your thoughts on the future, specific or general? And then any words of wisdom for anyone thinking about getting into public service? Hmm. Um, I'm keep, I, I can see myself running again for, for mayor. I, I fully, I just love it. I love it. And uh, I, I just want the city to be better and better I, all the time. It, it really is what drives me. You know that old saying, find a... That one. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm in it right now. 
Um, it would be really difficult, I think, for me to not be in it. Um, and I don't mean that like in a elitist way or anything. It's just, I love it. I just, I love it. I love helping people. So I hope, I hope I get to continue to do it. Um, it you know, I, I think I can see myself running uh, again, but at the same time, I'm also a doors open type of a person. So if like an opportunity arose, I, 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 if I felt it was gr a great opportunity to, to shift a little bit to something else and it would, you know, still be okay with the family and whatnot, I, I would absolutely explore something else too. So I think it's good to kind of keep your eye open. As you said at the beginning, I have 140,000 bosses and they get to decide whether they love me. It doesn't matter if I love the city. <laughs> they decide they love me. Well said. And it is, it is, uh, it is, uh, there's some anxiety around that actually. It's like, it's, it's, uh, it's, but, it's, uh, it's funny. And one of the, and, and, and we'll get on to the second question, but just yeah. to add one of the things I shared in the blog a few years back is like, I think sports properties, although private um, organizations should be in a similar environment. Season seat holders should get a vote. And the CEO yeah. <laughs> and the hockey ops and imagine yeah. performance then, right? And, and oh, I yeah. actually I put in a blog that because I'm a huge Habs fan, as you know. Um, yes, I know. <laughs> if uh, if Montreal ever came calling for me to run the team, that would be a condition. I would my first press uh, conference would be <laughs> three years from now. That's all I need. You vote me out of the job, and I go back home, or you vote me in, and I stay. I think there's a lot of accountability there. And, and, yeah, there is. And you there gotta, is. You, you've got to you got to please your customers. So, anyways, words of wisdom. Yep. Words of wisdom for someone coming into public service. Well, really, 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 really think about it. <laughs> um, it uh, you know, it depends on the position, I would say. You know, if, if you're going into it with, well, I would say this. If you're going into it either as a counselor, which is in Guelph considered part-time, or as a mayor, or as an MPP or, or MP or whatever, um, you really need to really think about how it's going to affect, affect your, your family, if you, if you have a family. Um, and I, really, like you, you're gonna really need to really think about that. Uh, that is something that I consistently think about more often than not. Is this worth it for the family? And so, so far, so good. But that is something that I do think about a lot. And and Rachel and I talk about a lot. Uh, and then the other part is, I think one of the things that I would suggest to somebody is, if you're thinking about running and if you win you must put in boundaries right away uh, about when you're engaging and when you're not, when, you know, at five o'clock, are you not, are not available anymore? Um, are you not available on the weekends? Because the demand, the instant demand from the public is overwhelming. Uh, and, um, and then I'm a customer service type of person, right? So if I don't get back to somebody in a day, it bothers me, but when I have 40,000 followers on social media and it's just me doing it, I don't have staff that does it. Okay. It's just me. I'm I, like, how can I physically even be able to do that? So it becomes a, an issue about um, boundaries, put whatever those boundaries are, put them in place right away and, and, and sort of rules of engagement around when you will respond, when you will not respond how you're going to go about that. Because I think, I think as much as people love the fact that, Oh, you're so available and so engaging. I, I heard that when I had 6,000 followers, when I started this, 
Mm. Now I've got 40,000 or I don't know, 35 or 40,000. And it's, um, it's just constant, it's just constant, constant. And I, as a customer service person, I want to get back to those people uh, as much as possible. Now, my battery thing just popped out. I don't know if the screen went blank yeah. there for you. There, yeah, for the, the picture went in, but we're we're oh, almost okay. done now, anyway. Yeah. So. Uh, and then, um, and then, and then, reach. The final thing I would say is reach out to somebody that's in it or has done it. Okay. And I have had a lot of people reach out to me and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about running for council. Um, can we get together for a coffee?" Um, I've had people reach out to me from other cities that are thinking about running for mayor. They want to talk to me, um, get my advice on that kind of stuff. And uh, so, I, yeah, a lot, a lot of people uh, engage with me on those types of questions. And I love, I love talking to people about that, especially young people, especially young people. Because it seems to me still that, you know, politicians have to be old and retired or something like that. And uh, you, you got to get through your other career before you get into this. And there's probably more risk actually getting into this type of line of work younger, because again, you're up for <laughs> job interview every four years. Uh, but uh, you know what, if you have a desire to help and to serve and to make a difference, don't wait till you're 65, put your name in right now. Let's go give it a go. And yeah. uh, so I really like to engage with young people to say there's an opportunity to make a difference through politics and uh, give it a go. Don't, don't wait. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you, Cam. Like I'd like to leave you with a couple words if you don't mind and, and a little, uh, a little setup here to be clear. I've never campaigned for Cam Guthrie. I haven't gone out and, and helped tally the group and get everyone excited i will nope. share that i voted for you clearly i, I, I am a oh, thank fan. you um but i will thank you because i'm sure you don't get this enough cam and i'm sure you don't do the job for it but you know what people don't see as i mentioned earlier is all the events you're at the way you welcomed my family when we came to guelph when you didn't know us from wherever like we were just people that were in the city you took the time to talk to us because you were engaged in what you committed to the stuff you do late at night to still make yourself accessible on your time um, and the, uh, the I was going to say the comedy, the sense of humor that you bring to it, doing yep. bedtime stories through the pandemic that I also did. We did that together yep. through Alicia yep. and, um, oh, my God, Amy. Um, yep. All that stuff you always do and you're engaged when you do it. You, do, you just serve the city. You're its biggest fan. So if you don't get enough, thank you for everything you do for Guelph. Thank you. I, uh, I do really appreciate it. And uh, um, again, I, I think you're doing a great job, even though you're a Habs fan. <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that, right? Thank you, Cam. Yep. Uh, I really, really appreciate you doing this. I think people are going to get a lot of value out of this chat. Awesome. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out to me about anything, they can. I hope you don't mind. I'll just do a little plug here. Uh, uh, Twitter, at Cam Guthrie. Instagram, Mayor Cam Guthrie, and my Facebook page is Mayor Cam Guthrie. And you can always email me at City Hall uh, for uh, direct sort of city issues, uh, mayor at guelph.ca. Tremendous. Thank you, Cam, once again. Appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, you too. All the best. And uh, I'll, see, I'll see you around when we, when we are out and around more often. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. Okay. Yep. Bye. Yeah.